0: Thank you, John. Thank you, Praise Team. We are wanting to start this new year right, and so Happy New Year, College Hills, and anyone who is visiting with us, we're really glad that you're here, know that you're an honored guest, and uh, we've had kind of an unusual last few weeks with our holiday schedule, but today's our last day of that holiday schedule. Next Sunday, uh, we'll be back at our regular gathering times of 845, Bible class at 10, and then a second worship service at 11 a.m. So if you are uh, looking for a church home to start the new year, if you are recommitting uh, back to being here each week, uh, know that we'll have several different options for you uh, starting next week. Uh, There's one remaining day in our holiday schedule this Wednesday. We're not going to be having um, our Bible classes. Those will resume on January the 11th. And so I hope this first week of the new year is good for you. And again, Happy New Year. Um, I hope that it has... Uh, started well, and this morning has been really beautiful and well done by John and, and the praise team leading us this morning. Um, as we're thinking about what uh, we're going to do in this new year, and I don't know if you're a New Year's resolution person or not, but I wanted us to, to look at something that I feel like is something I return to on a regular basis, uh, but it's something that I've been thinking a lot about uh, in recent weeks and thought it would be a, a good text uh, and a good topic for us to start the new year with, this topic of calling. Um, and so if you have your Bible, we're going to be looking at Genesis chapter 1 this morning, uh, and we're going to be reading from verse 24 uh, until verse 31. If you don't have your Bible, that's okay. Uh, the words will be on the screen behind me. Here's what we read there. And God said, Let the earth bring forth living creatures of every kind, cattle and Creeping things and wild animals of the earth of every kind, and it was so. God made the wild animals of the earth of every kind, and the cattle of every kind, and everything that creeps upon the ground of every kind, and God saw that it was good. Then God said, Let us make humankind in our image, according to our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the air, and over the cattle God said, See, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is upon the face of all the earth, and every tree with seed and its fruit, you you shall have them for food. And every beast of the earth, and every bird of the air, and everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has the breath of life, I have given every green plant for food. And it was so. God saw everything that he had made, and indeed it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning the sixth day. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for a new year, for the opportunity for those of us who need it, a chance to restart and refocus. And as we start this new year, spending time in your word, I pray that it would be a central force in directing and guiding us over this new year. I pray this morning that you would give me the gift of preaching and teaching and that you would give us all the gift of open hearts that we would hear your voice and be transformed by it more into the image of your son Jesus and it's in his name that we pray. Amen. Uh, this past week, December 26, this picture was taken Um, No, I'm not trying to hypnotize you to start the year, I promise. I won't keep the picture up there too long. Um, One of the things that I love about this picture is that it's not really one photo. It's actually a collection of 245 photos. There's a Scottish photographer named Craig McComb who took it uh, this past December 26th. And it took him two and a half hours in sub-zero degree weather, negative 11 degrees, and for two and a half hours... He was outside taking this picture. He shared it on his Facebook account, and he said, I was out for two and a half hours, 11 degrees below zero. I felt pretty good. My, my tripod was frozen to the ground by the end of it, and my beard had frost on it, but I'm happy with the picture. 245 layered pictures edited in such a way to give us this beautiful glimpse of space. There's been a lot of these pictures from space that have been coming out over this last year, but I like this one because it's a picture from Earth looking up to see the movement of the stars. And the part of the reason why this is such a powerful and intriguing picture for me is because the, the whole picture rests upon this center star known as Polaris, but probably best known as the North Star that it's because of that north star that we can see the movement of all of those other stars. If it wasn't for that north star in this picture, then we wouldn't have this beautiful symmetry of these stars circling around it. And I bring up this picture, and I bring up this context, or this common phrase, the north star, because we probably know it in the world of astronomy and astrology, but we know this phrase, North Star, because it's one that we use in kind of everyday language as well. We, we talk about our North Star of life, the North Star of our family. And whenever we talk about it in that sense, we're, we're talking about what is it that orients us? What is it around which everything else revolves? What's at the center, what's at the core of who we are in faith or in family or in different aspects of our life what is that north star for us and the reason why i bring up this picture and i bring up this phrase north star is because i can't think of a better way to start a new year than to to begin reflecting on that very question what is our north star not just as a community but in our individual lives as we wrestle with resolutions and goals Below all of those is a sense of something that's important to us that we want to orient our lives around. And this idea of of a north star, although not used in that language throughout Scripture, is still something that Scripture does for us. In, In fact, one of my favorite north stars, so to speak, in all of Scripture is this passage that we read just a second ago. Well, part of this passage in Genesis 1 and 2. Uh, that if Genesis 1 and 2 is anything for us, it is a kind of north star for our faith. It, it is this passage, it is this text around which so much of the rest of Scripture is going to orient itself, whether we realize it or not. To, to change the metaphor a little bit, if we were to think about Genesis 1 and 2, one, one way to think about those two chapters is to think of them as kind of an origin story of faith. Often when we think about origin stories, we think about superheroes and, and the things that made them who they are to get to who they are today. But we also have origin stories as people. If you pay attention to the stories that we tell of each other to, to make sense of our life, what we're doing is we're, we're telling those stories that help us to make sense of who we are. And one of the gifts of Scripture is that it gives us a story To make sense of our lives, it it gives us a story that gives us this beautiful identity. And Genesis 1 and 2 do that. Genesis 1 and 2 begin with this beautiful glimpse into who God is in this moment of creation. That part of what gives these chapters stability for us is because of the God that we meet in Genesis 1 and 2. This God who's a creator. This God who creates this sacred order of blessing and goodness. And part of the reason why this is such a foundational text is because it gives us a foundational view of who God is. And that's one reason why I think these two chapters at the beginning of our Bibles can orient us because they give us an orientation in who God is. But the thing that I want to zoom in on this morning is not what Genesis 1 and 2 draw our attention to in regards to who God is, but what Genesis 1 and 2 say to us about who we are and what we're called to do. Here on day six, we read these words about humanity. Then God said, let us make humankind in our image according to our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the air and over the cattle and over all the wild animals of the earth. God said, See, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is upon the face of all the earth, and every tree with seed and its fruit, you shall have them for food. And every beast of the earth, and every bird of the air, and everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has the breath of life, I have given every green plant for food, and it was so. God saw everything that he had made, and indeed it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. I love this sixth day of creation because the very first thing that is said about humanity is that we are created in the image of God. The first thing that Scripture claims about men and women is that we are created in the image of God. Now this phrase image of God would have been a familiar phrase in the ancient world. And it would have been familiar used in relationship to kings and rulers because in that time and place kings and rulers were like kings and rulers of any other time in history they were trying to expand their territory through conquering other villages and towns and communities but because it was the ancient world technology was not the same and a and a king's ability to be everywhere that they were ruling was limited by where they could travel and they couldn't travel as far as we could today and so there was this dilemma. They, they had these different provinces that were under their rule, but they needed to communicate their rule to those places in some way. And so what would often happen is, in what would be known as kind of the town square, there would be an image of that king or ruler placed in that particular town so that whenever a peasant was walking through the town, they could see who was really in charge, who was really on the throne. But for the people of that time and place, it it wasn't just about the picture of a king being placed up prominently for everyone to see, but it was the image of a god. Because in that time and place, kings had this divine perception that they were divinely placed in these positions, they were godlike in their status. And so when people would see these images, they weren't just looking at the image of a king, they were looking at the image of a god, lowercase g, But in that time and place, there was this high placement of kings and rulers as these images that people would see wherever they would go to know who's in charge, who's on the throne, who's really ruling this area. And so when the writers of Scripture come along and they use this phrase, image of God, as a claim that's being made about all of humanity, this is scandalous and it's significant. Because what they're saying is that it's not just limited to a few royal rulers who are considered to be created in the image of God, but it is all of humanity. That, that all of humanity are these, are these walking representatives of who God is. It's this significant statement of identity that's given here in Genesis one And two, and it's going to be this thread that weaves throughout the rest of Scripture. We read it in places like Psalm 8, where there is this high, beautiful view of humanity. The very first thing said about us is that we're created in the image of God. That all of humanity are are representatives of who is really on the throne. And the reason why I wanted to linger on this point is because one thing that I've noticed when we often talk about humans and and we talk about humanity, we often will tell a story that doesn't start in Genesis 1 and 2, but it more often starts in Genesis 3. And what I mean by that is often when we talk about humanity and we talk about identity, we, we start with the fall. We start with the fracture. We start with the brokenness of who we are. And it ends up being a story about who we are not, about how we're deficient, how we're broken. But Genesis 1 and 2 start the story in a very different way. The very first claim of Scripture is that we are created as these very good creations of God. That we are created to reflect the image of God in the world that the story that Genesis 1 and 2 tells about who we are is about our fundamental identity. Genesis 3 is a story about who we are not. Genesis 1 and 2 is a story about who we are. We're men and women created in the image of God. I would would say it this way. Because we have an identity, we have a calling. Because we know who we are, we know what we are to do. Because we're created in the image of God, we are called to reflect that image. Now, I intentionally use this word reflect uh, because it reminds me of a book that I read many, many years ago by Max Lucado, and the book was called It's Not About Me. I don't know if you've read this book or studied this book before, but, but the book starts with this concept. Back in history, in the 15th century, when there was a fundamental shift about how we understood the world, there was a guy who came along and said something that would have been scandalous at the time. He said that Earth was not at the center of the universe, but the sun was at the center. And all of the other planets revolved around the sun. That up to that point in history, everybody had assumed that the earth was at the center. And so this was a major shift to say, no, it's the sun that's at the center of our entire universe. And this was scandalous as it was first presented and as the idea was fleshed out it became understood that we are not at the center of the universe. And Lucado in the book kind of uses that as this metaphor for how we are to think about our life. That so often we can think of ourselves at the center, but a more faithful, a more Christian way to understand our existence is that we're not at the center, that God is at the center. And what our role is, is to simply be moons that reflect the light of God. Uh, To simply be mirrors that reflect the fundamental center of the universe that is, we believe, to be God. And so that our entire life becomes this calling to reflect the image and light and life and goodness of God in all that we do. That this is inherent to who we are. And Genesis 1 and 2 say that's fundamental to your identity. Therefore, you have this calling to go out into the world and simply be a reflection of the God that we meet in Scripture. Now, the reason why I find this to be such a, a helpful view of calling is because very often growing up, this was not the way that I was really presented or taught about calling that if I were to sum up how I was taught about calling growing up, I would, I would say it was more of a, of a hide-and-seek view of calling. I'm sure many of you have, have played the game hide-and-seek before, pretty straightforward game. One person is it, everyone else goes and hides, and the game's pretty simple. You find the people who are hiding and you win, or you don't find the people hiding and you lose. And often we kind of have a, a similar mindset when it comes to calling in our life that we can treat calling as if it's this elusive, hidden thing somewhere out there. And our goal and our purpose in life is to find that one true, unique calling to us. And if we don't, then we disappoint God or we lose at the game of life or however we want to think about it. But there's this sense of, of disappointment if we don't find that one right calling for us. Now, I'm a big believer in finding gifts and abilities, maybe changing jobs or careers or passions to try to align yourself with things that you're interested in and passionate about. But what I want to highlight is not what is often presented as kind of a hide-and-seek view of calling, because I feel like that is not a Genesis 1 and 2 view of calling. If I were to sum up a Genesis 1 and 2 view of calling, I would say that it is a here-and-now view of calling. That here and now, wherever we find ourselves, we're called to be image bearers, to reflect the image of God in the world. And so it doesn't matter if we're starting a career or ending a career. It doesn't matter if we're a young adult or an older adult. It doesn't matter if we're single or married, or divorced, it doesn't matter where we find ourselves, those externals that can often be used to define us. Genesis 1 and 2 says your fundamental identity, regardless of external circumstances in your life, is that you and me are image bearers, and we're called to reflect the image of God wherever we find ourselves. It's not something that we have to go and find, and if we don't find it, God's disappointed with us. No, at the beginning of the story, this identity is given to us as a gift. Before Adam and Eve can do anything, God instills in them, you are created in the image of God. Now go and reflect that image to the world. And that's this New view of calling that I want to give to us as we start this new year. What would it look like for you and me, wherever we find ourselves? New parent or grandparent? Whether we're in a new job or we're about to leave one job to go to the other, what would it look like for you and me to reflect the image of God wherever we find ourselves? And the reason why I want to come back to this and keep coming back to this is because, like I said earlier, this is this thread that weaves through scripture. And it's something that the apostle Paul kept bringing the church back to as well. And one of my favorite passages where he taps into this Genesis 1 and 2 theme happens in Colossians 3. Pay attention to what he says in Colossians 3. He says, do not lie to each other. And he's saying that with your baptism, you have put on these new clothes, these clothes that are about you now being in Christ. And there's this deeper thing that's happening in you where that image of God, where that image of the creator is being renewed in you. That is your fundamental identity because of your baptism into Jesus. Now go and live that out in the world. Therefore, as God's chosen people, and he gives all these beautiful examples of what it looks like for us to reflect that renewing image of God in the world. But then he culminates with verse 17, and I love this verse so much, I wanted to put a few versions of it up. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Or another way, to translate it, and whatever you do or say, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. Let every detail in your lives, words, actions, whatever, be done in the name of the Master Jesus, thanking God the Father every step of the way. This verse in Colossians 3.17 takes us back to Genesis 1 and two, what we're called to do is to be representatives of God in whatever we do, in all of our words and deeds, and I can think of no better verse to, to orient us, to be a kind of North star for us as we begin a new year. Then yes, this passage is in Genesis 1 and 2, but also this verse in Colossians 3:17. What would your life like look like, and what would mine look like? If we allowed this verse to be an orientation point for us, what would your 2023 look like if if this verse became a kind of North Star for you? What would our church look like if we said this is going to be our kind of community, a community? And whatever we do, we're going to seek to reflect the image of God in the world. We're going to seek to be representatives of the Lord Jesus Christ in all that we do. My prayer for you and my prayer for me is that this year, this week and this year, that these words would remind us of who we are and who we're called to be in the world. Let's pray. God, thank you for the men and women here who are seeking to be faithful, who are seeking to represent you. I think of the the wonderful ministry that's happening in our church and in our community, because of our church, and the ways that you are working through this community. God, it's easy for us to to get off track, to get distracted, to be overwhelmed by the chaos in our lives. So I pray for all of us that you would bring us back to who we are in you in this new year, and that we, we would be reminded that and you were forgiven, and you were, we are redeemed, and in you, you are renewing that image within us. So help us to be men and women who reflect that image wherever we go this week and in this new year. I pray these things in Jesus' name, amen. If you have any response to the invitation this morning, you can come to the front and make that response. We'll also have shepherds in the back. Whatever your need is this morning, you can do that now while we stand and sing.